first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Hey, welcome to Kids First. I'm Jerry Oros, and just from the Kids First family, I want to wish everyone listening a happy Kwanzaa, a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, and all the other holidays I forgot to mention. Happy holidays, everyone, and we are going out with a bang. We have a lot of great films to talk about today, including the brand new Star Wars, Rise of the Skywalker, uh, Spies in Disguise, Jumanji, The Next Level, and so many more. But we are going to be starting with one of those hype films of the year. It is the last Star Wars film for now. It is Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and we're going to be talking with Zoe on it. Zoe, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Of course. So... Let's just jump into it. What were your initial thoughts of the film? Overall, what did you like? What did you dislike? What impressions were you left with after you exited the theater? I liked it. I think it was a good film. I know fans will see like their favorite characters. Um, I think this is a good conclusion. Over 30 years of Star Wars films, it's been a long time. And I did actually really enjoy this one, even though I'm not an actual Star Wars fan. You know, I like that you have the perspective of someone who isn't a big Star Wars fan because the massive majority of people who go and see these movies are going to be massive Star Wars films and critiquing every single little points of the plots and all the characters and how they relate to all the other films. But I want to know from your perspective, as someone who hasn't really seen a lot of other Star Wars films, did the story make sense? Was it still enjoyable? Did you still feel the film was a complete story on its own away from the entire series? Yeah, well, I have a lot of background knowledge about Star Wars. I mean, it's been around for a while. And, of course, they're the uh, kind of characters, and, like, you can't really not hear about them. And so, yeah, the story wasn't very confusing. Honestly, I, I pretty much understood stuff. I didn't find anything too confusing at all. I mean, if you have, like, no knowledge about Star Wars at all, I wouldn't really recommend seeing the film. But, like, for me, who I haven't seen a lot, I still definitely understood everything. You know, that's really wonderful to hear because I do feel like the last couple of Star Wars reboots were trying to just roll off the rest of the franchise and weren't standing as their own films. And I was also curious to know what did you think of the characters? Like a lot of the characters from the first couple from the last couple of films were not very liked. So we have a lot of great actors like Adam Driver, who's playing Kylo Ren, Daisy Ridley, who's playing Rey, and a lot more other characters. We have Sally archive footage of Carrie Fisher playing Leia Organa. So what did you think of all their performances? Yeah, um, I really like the performances in general. I felt like everyone was very good. Daisy Riley as Ray was actually really good as well. And Adam Driver as Kylo. I feel like he just, he steals the show so much. And I thought it was, because I, I don't really watch them too much, I thought it was cool to see them in Star Wars. And there's also new characters, like, oh, I know BB-8 in R2-D2, but now there's, like, a new tiny robot, and I've seen him in some commercials as well. And I thought it was really cool to see, like, another tiny robot, because there's always, like, really cute. Oh, my God, they do so good with droids in the films, and I love how unique the droids are getting with every single new Star Wars film. I love them so much, but... I also wanted to talk about the editing because this film had a lot of interesting facts about the editing process. First, they did a lot of re-edits. There was a lot of dissatisfaction with the executives and test audiences. But also, as I mentioned, the footage of Carrie Fisher's performance is archive footage since she sadly passed away. 
And it's actually from, uh, I believe it's from The Last Jedi's production that we have all this footage from her. So I wanted to know the story with her. Did it kind of go into the film smoothly or did it feel a little bit rough when it cuts to her story and what's going on with her? Um, yeah, she does appear and stuff and she was, I mean, you don't really get to see too much of her and I'm trying to not to spoil anything because this film is kind of hard not to spoil but also talk about but like yeah I guess you can see her but like you never really see her like her face and stuff which I guess makes sense because this was all old footage but um it was really special I guess to see her in this last one and I guess it was kind of like a a nice memory of her absolutely may she rest in peace and may her performances live on forever but we are running out of time so before we have to switch to the next movie i'd like to know from you zoe what age range do you give this film and how many stars do you give this film um i'd probably recommend it for kids maybe 10 to 18 i mean i feel like it could be intense for some younger viewers and like language as well so, yeah, probably 10 to 18, and of course it's adults as well. And I'd probably give it maybe a 3.5 out of 5 stars. And why 3.5? I don't know. You know, I don't remember too much of the last, like, the, I think it was called The Last Jedi, the last one. But it's because I feel like I liked that one more, and it was a good closing. Maybe a 4 out of 5 stars, yeah. That seems very reasonable, but I am glad they were able to close the series off in a very w- good manner. And thank you so much for talking to us about the brand new Star Wars film. Yeah, thank you. And the force will always be with you. Thank you very much. And to our audience as well. And speaking of our audience, if you'd like to see Star Wars The Rise of the Skywalker, it is in theaters December 20th, so definitely check it out. Right now, we're going to switch gears and start talking to Sahiba about Spies in Disguise. And Sahiba, what did you think of this film? What did you think of animation and overall opinion? Well, I actually really enjoyed um, watching Spice in Disguise. Um, it's a very typical action comedy, and that's my favorite genre. So I loved it. The animation, it's fun, it's imaginative, but at the same time, it's also very realistic. So yeah, it's a great movie to watch visually and just, yeah, very enjoyable. Now... I want to just read what the plot is. It's only one sentence, and it may be one of the most original plots in the last 10 years. When the world's best spy is turned into a pigeon, he must rely on his nerdy tech officer to save the world. That's amazing. The writers are geniuses, and I'd love to know from you, was the plot actually entertaining, and did it capture the audience? It was, and earlier I said it's a typical action comedy, and it's very typical in the sense that it has a lot of those elements, but it has a fun play on them. Like you said, yeah, the main character, he turns into a pigeon, and that's the sort of way, the way he sort of goes through this transformation, he grows as a person and yeah I really enjoyed it it's a twist for sure and um the actual transformation when it occurs in the film it's hilarious and it is very ingenious that's wonderful and I also want to talk about the acting because Ben Mendelsohn plays Killian and I'm just going to go on a very very large guess and guess that Ben Mendelsohn plays the bad guy Killian is the bad guy yes I don't know why, but he's been casted for the last five years always as the villain. And before we talk about any of the other actors, I want to know, how was he as the villain? 
Oh, well, he is an expert in that role for sure. Um, yeah, he does the bad guy in this one is very developed which is something I love in film he's not your typical bad guy and you know you really enjoy the scenes that he's in he doesn't come too often but when he does you get chills and yeah he's one of my favorite characters in the film that's really I'm really glad to hear that they are actually developing the villain, which they don't normally do in animation films especially. So I'm so glad to hear that. And there is a phenomenal cast outside of just Ben. We have Will Smith playing Lance Thurley. We have Tom Holland playing Walter Beckett. We have Karen Gillian, who's playing Eyes. So overall, what did you think of all of the performances? Again, they all did an exceptional job. Uh, it's funny because Tom Holland we're used to in the Spider-Man role. And you can see a lot of similarities because he's the struggling young man who's, you know, sort of the outsider and struggling as well. But he always wants to do the right thing. And that's very apparent in his character in this film as well. Um, Will Smith, um, you know, he's a, such a legend as well. He totally um, gets into that role as this cool spy you know very swag like um and so he's just a joy to um watch as well and yeah and karen gillian she also does an exceptional job as eyes she changes her voice to make the character a bit quirky and fun and yeah so all together it was a very enjoyable laid back gem of a film you know, it definitely seems like it, and I'm glad that it, it definitely took that trope that it's part of to its benefit. It really became that film and took advantage of it, and I'm so glad to hear that. So before we have to end this segment, how many stars do you give this film, and what age range do you give this film? I gave it a 4 out of 5 stars, and I recommend it for ages 6 to 18. Thank you, Sahiba, so much for talking to us about Spies in Disguise. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. For our audience, it comes out Christmas Day, December 25th, so definitely check it out. It seems like it's a perfect Christmas movie. It's light, it's funny, it's entertaining. I may check this film out myself. But let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Moloch Season 3. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Ors from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Right now, we're going to be talking about Jumanji, The Next Level. This was one of my favorite films from 2017, and one of the very few times studios did reboot films, in my opinion, right? But we're going to be talking to Arjun about this. And Arjun, what did you think of the sequel, or I should say the third film in the Jumanji series? Uh, I really liked it. Honestly, better than the first, in my opinion. I think it treads into familiar ground, but it does something new with it to a point where every gag or like action scene, I felt like there was something new to it, and I felt like they were progressing characters in new ways. And I think it does it does everything a sequel should, honestly. And that's wonderful to hear. And when you talk about things it does differently or new, what do you mean specifically? Well, it introduces a lot of new characters, and while the game itself hasn't necessarily changed, the dynamics have, and that's the best part about this franchise. You can have, like, Dwayne Johnson channeling his inner Danny DeVito, and it's really a franchise like this where you can only do that, and that's one of the reasons why I like this movie better. I I liked seeing Danny DeVito and and, uh, Danny Glover, who are, you know, two elderly actors, but they are A-tier legends. Um... And I just liked seeing that aspect of the movie, that they were involving more elderly people, but having, like, you know, the big, strong, uh, masculine actors of our uh, decade um, channeling them almost, which I just thought was interesting. You know, I want to talk about acting a little bit since you mentioned a few actors. We also have Karen Gillan, who plays uh, Ruby Roundhouse. We have Jack Black playing Bethany slash uh, Fridge. So... Can you talk a little bit about the acting and how it compares to the first one? Because in my opinion, the first one, they did comedy extremely well where the actors know they need to play it in a comedy way and the script really supported them. Do you think that relationship still maintained in the second film? Yeah, I I think that the script was consistently funny and when it needed to be serious, it needed it was serious. Like I felt like there were stakes at, at times, especially towards the end where you can see their lives are running down. But uh, it, it's consistently funny. It, it never feels like offbeat whenever they go in a somewhat darker direction. And uh, I, I think it was very well balanced. That's wonderful to hear. And I do want to talk about the darker direction because the very first Jumanji with Robin Williams, it's a pretty dark film. It definitely has its comedy elements, but it's not at all what the newer Jumanji films are. So in your opinion, do you think that they're consistent approach from a comedic perspective works or do you think that the original approach in a darker way was better for the plot and for the concepts i um i think that the newer approach is better because uh you know let's be real if jumanji was a real thing and we had real people playing jumanji this is probably how it would turn out if we're being completely um honest with ourselves but, uh, yeah, I guess I'm missing, like, the more horrorish aspects from the uh, first movie where um, there was a lot of, like, menacing animals and that sort of stuff. But I think that they could channel that for the next movie because uh, the adventure setting is a little old by the, by the end of the movie. Like, I think that they need to, like, maybe head in a little bit more of a horror direction but not push it too much. 
You know, I definitely agree. And I like that they took a different perspective from what the first one did. And aside from comedy, it just told a different story. It wasn't somebody trapped. It was their story inside the game, which we never saw before. I personally love that. But in your opinion, we've had a lot of prequels, just so many prequels and so many sequels and reboots. And you can name them, whatever you want. Do you think that this trend should continue or do you think that we should try something else? If the directors and the actors are absolutely committed to uh, making something work of it, then yeah, it should absolutely continue. But there's very few movies. I mean, this is one of the few where uh, that direction works. And uh, I mean, I'm just interested in watching a good movie, you know, like every movie nowadays follows the familiar beats. I mean, like if they're willing to put out like a tier quality, not even a tier quality, it just needs to be decent, then I'm willing to watch it. So, yeah, I guess they should continue if they're willing to do it like Jumanji does. You know, I think you bring up a really good point that I'm sure a lot of consumers of films feel. If it's a good movie, they're going to watch it no matter what it's about, no matter how many parts of a series it's in. If it's a good movie, they're going to watch it. Right now, we're talking about Jumanji, the next level with Arjun, and we're just talking about how it fits in the whole family of reboots that has now entered Hollywood. But let's get back into the specifics of Jumanji, the next level. So could you talk a little bit about the visual effects aspect, because they are in somewhat of a fantastical world. They are inside of a board game, or in this case, a video game. And what was the visual effects like in this film? I thought in the first one, it was great, really added to the story. And I loved how it also added to the comedy in itself. So how did they do in this one? Um, I I thought they did pretty well. Like, I mean, I guess the first one, first one was a really visually impressive movie. Obviously, the the comedy and the acting is is the biggest strength here. But I mean, like, whenever there was an exciting action scene, like there was one which had a lot of monkeys. I mean, it looks pretty good and didn't seem too CGI. But it, this movie can get away with that, where you know it can look really fake and artificial because it's it's a video game. I mean. So I think it really works to its strengths. I had no problem with the special effects. You know, you make a really good point because it is set in a video game, so it should have the stylistic elements. It shouldn't look like the new Lion King. It should look like it is right for its for its place in it, the world it's creating. So I'm glad they were able to achieve that. And I'm sure a lot of people are wondering who haven't seen the first Jumanji or the 2017 version of Jumanji. Should they just check this one out without watching the first one? Do you think it matters if they watch the first one or not? I mean, I feel like most people who are going to watch this have already seen the first one, but I don't think it would really matter that much. There's a good 10 to 15, maybe 20-ish minutes that sets up the characters, and you get what's going on. I, You know, no one will really feel lost, and, you know, I don't feel like you have to watch the first one to watch this. I, I think it does a good job at introducing newer fans, I guess. Now, you mentioned that there's a 15 to 20 minutes kind of refresh for everyone, but... If someone did watch the first one, do you think that would feel a little bit slow or boring to hear all the same information again? Not really, because it uh, it introduces Danny DeVito's character who plays uh, Eddie, I believe is his name. And he's uh, the, the granddad of the main character, um, whose name I can't quite get on my mind. Because like, I, I know the video game character names, not the real you know teenager names. But, uh, you know... It, it introduces all the newer characters, and it also introduced that uh, time has passed since the last movie, and, like, everyone's kind of moved on from, like, the high school, almost clicky life, and uh, the main character's in college, and he sort of broke up with the, his girlfriend from the last movie. So it introduces newer elements, but it doesn't push it. It just introduces the fact that, you know, it's a sequel and, and newer things are happening, and there's, cons- there's a lot of humor, too. 
it's wonderful to hear that they were able to kind of bridge the gap for both people who haven't seen it and have seen the first one. They seem to be able to rack in the entire audience. And speaking of the audience, quickly, what age range would you give this film? And overall, how many stars would you give this film? I would say it'd be an 8 to 18 because, I mean, there's a lot of uh, action scenes, but they're not particularly intense because of the video game setting. But there is some language, and I feel like that could draw younger viewers out of uh, watching it. But I'd say the star rating would be a four out of five stars. Well, thank you so much, Arjun, for talking to us about Jumanji The Next Level. Anytime. Of course. And for the audience, definitely check out Jumanji The Next Level. It's in theaters now. I'm going to check it out. I really love the first one. I thought it was so much fun. And I'm going to be checking out this one as well. But let's take a break. I'm your host, Jerry Ors. And this week's show sponsor is Molong Season 3. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week. I'm Sahiba, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. And next, we're going to be speaking with Ethan and Kaylee about Molong Season 3. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Hey. Hi. So, Ethan, let's start with you. What is this show about, and what did you think of it? I liked it a lot because it teaches a lot of lessons in every episode. And this show is about a round bunny named Moling. And a little uh, yellow chick called Pew Pew. And they have a special relationship together. And every episode they have an adventure that always leads them to, like, a moral or something that teaches them something new. Yeah, I have to say, I personally love Mong. I I think I reviewed season one or two, and since then I've just been a huge fan. So I'm, like, so excited to talk to you guys. So, Kaylee, um, what about you? What are your thoughts on Mong season three? Um, well, I thought it was good, but it wasn't, like, a, 
uh, like a show for me because I like a lot of talking, a lot of action, which the mo- like the show was very quiet, so I didn't really enjoy it that much. And I thought like the little things were like they weren't the greatest. I just didn't like it a lot. I think it was I thought it was like for younger like kids and children. Yeah, no problem, of course. And so, um, Ethan, I um, watched it when it came out in season one, and it's already at season three, so do you think it will continue for longer, or do you think, like, Kaylee, that it might not appeal to too many people? I think it should keep going, because, honestly, I just, because when you review it, I was just gonna watch four episodes, but there was, there's 52 and I was going to watch four because I think four is enough. But it turned out I watched all 52. <laughs> I don't know why. I just kept watching. I know. I felt that they were a little, they're very cute. But um, Kaylee, so what did you think about um, the animation? I thought they were very cute and like friendly. Like I really like animations, but like they were very quiet so it wasn't like i like like animations that are loud and stuff but they were very cute like the rabbit was um very big and how they like made it run was like so cute and the little um chicken was like so cute too how they would like hug it looked so cute when they did it yeah and so um kaylee how do you think that they could maybe improve it for future seasons and maybe appeal to um people who like a little more um action they could have a little more, like, going on because there would just be, like, one thing that they would do in each scene. There wasn't really, like, really a big problem. Like, they could make it, like, maybe they would talk a little bit more instead of just saying, like, the simple words that they said. Yeah, I think that would be cool. And, Ethan, what are your thoughts on the music? It was really nice. It kept you interested the whole time. And it actually... I don't know why, it just, like, you can imagine them talking just with the music. Like, there's no talking, but with the music, you can kind of understand what they're trying to do. Okay, and so did you like this um, quieter aspect of the film? I mean, it was good. It was, I like things that talk, but this was also good because it showed little pictures about what they were talking about, so you can still understand. So either way, it was still really good. Okay, very interesting. And so, um, Kelly, what are some messages that you learned from watching Molong? Like, how to um, always stick together and teamwork is the best way to go. Yeah, those are definitely some messages I remember, too. And, Ethan, what are your thoughts on the age and star rating? I think I'd give it... uh, a four out of five stars and recommend it ages. Oh, wow, that's really hard. I think four to 18 plus adults. Yeah, and um, Callie, did you have a favorite episode that you did enjoy? I liked the third one because it was like how, like, little chicken, like, how it was like um, a fashionista and how it, like, missed its friends and, like, it missed the rabbit, so it kind of came home for it. I liked how, like, the friend came back for it. Yeah, that's very sweet. So thank you so much, um, Ethan and Callie. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you about Molong Season 3. 
You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, Spies in Disguise, Jumanji 2, Little Woman, Molong 3, Season 3, The Snowman 40th Anniversary, and we're going to be welcoming some new Kids First film critics. But for now, I'm going to continue. I'm going to be speaking with Ethan about the Snowman 40th anniversary. Welcome back, Ethan. Hi. Hi. So, what did you think about this little short film? Um, this was very cute, and it had no speaking in it. But I don't think it really needed to because it was a sweet and loving story. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I've seen this one too, and it it like warms my heart to think of this one. But, um, yeah, it's such a classic. It's its 40th anniversary. So why do you think it stayed alive for so many decades? I think because it's based off a book. And they made it so, like, realistic. And how it's... Because I saw uh, a picture of the book and how they drawn. And it looks exactly like that, but moving. Like, it's not like a book. It's just like the book, kind of, but it's moving by itself. Yeah, it, like, really brings it to life. That's so true. And so, did you have a favorite part of watching The Snowman? I think it was the part where he took the boy's hand and started flying with him. <laughs> Very nice. And so, did you? do you think that this The Snowman gets you in the holiday spirit and all ready to get cozy? Yeah, it was really nice. I wasn't really expecting that much because I know it's about a snowman, but you would think, like, the plain snowmans that, like, usually people build. But this one was different. It had its arms down to its legs. It looks so weird. But it was really cool because this was, like, nothing compared to what we build. We build, like, different things, like, with three, uh, three snowballs on top. And then that is just, like, arms and down. Like, he really put design into it. Yeah, it's it's a cute, very cute snowman. And so, do you have a favorite character of the snowman? Um, it'd probably be the snowman, because he was really funny. <laughs> and um, why do you say he's funny? Because there was one scene where the boy invited him to the house, and they went to the parents' room when they were sleeping, and then he was putting on the makeup, and then he looked like a girl, because he had a bunch of girl clothes and makeup on his face. Oh, that is very cute. And so, who do you think that this short film would appeal to? I think everyone would, because this is a really nice and, like, heartwarming film. Nice. And what sort of messages also did you um, sort of take away from watching The Snowman? I got that not everything lasts forever, so use time wisely and... Like, use it as much as you can before it goes. Oh, that's very deep. And so, were there any songs or music in the film? Yeah, the whole film was music. And it was really cool because it it was intense when it needed to. And it was, like, calm when it needed to. Nice. And so, um, finally, Ethan, what would you say the age range and star rating should be for the snowman? I think... Five out of five stars, definitely. And I'd recommend it ages 5 to 18, definitely plus adults. Awesome. Well, it's been so much fun to speak with you, Ethan.
Thank you so much. And so be sure to check out The Snowman on DVD today. I know I'm going to rewatch it just to get into that holiday spirit. Let's take a break. I'm Sahiba and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Molong Season 3. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Ors from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about a lot of brand new great films, but we're going to be talking about now one of the films I'm most excited for, and it is Little Women. We're going to be talking with Abraham on it. And Abraham, overall, what did you think of Little Women? Um, overall, this this movie was completely fine. It did not surpass any of my expectations, however, and I was actually slightly disappointed. The runtime is around two hours and 15 minutes and it felt really stretched in the end and in places it did need to be while barely scratching the surface in places I think it should have. You know, the problem with making films based off books from the 19th century, because this is based off a novel, those novels generally have a lot of detail and very lengthy conversations because that's just what was normal at the time. And now, for modern viewers, it's not that appealing. So do you think they got kind of stuck in that cycle of really keeping to the source material to the T? Uh, I don't think that was the issue. I feel that they were still keeping in some details in the book that might have not been necessary in a two-hour-long film, but removing some aspects that would have been core to the story itself. That's interesting. Could you give some examples? For example, they keep they never build up the youngest sister um, as this important figure. But when like a big event happens with her, we have no 
emotions attached to her, but they still add detail to them playing around together in multiple scenes that don't characterize them enough. It's just them having fun together, but not really developing the characters, yet they skip on developing one of the main sisters. Hmm. And do you think that the story should have been in a shorter format, or do you think the two hours and 15 minutes was a perfect time? Based on what you said, it seemed like you said it's a little bit too long, right? Um, I believe that it could have been cut down a slight bit, but if it ne- if they needed to keep the two hours and 15 minutes, that would have been fine if they had developed the characters more and I was more invested in the story. That's very fair. And I'd also like to talk about the directing a little bit because this is from Greta Gerwig, who made one of my favorite films of the last couple of years, Lady Bird. So how do you think she did in leading the vision of bringing little women to the big screen once again? Um, I particularly enjoyed Lady Bird a lot. I thought it was a great coming-of-age film. But with Little Women, I was... Slight, frankly, disappointed and thought that she could have done much better in bringing this book novel to the big screen. And I don't know, just felt that her talent wasn't used to her full potential. That's very sad to hear. But overall, how many stars would you give it and why? I would give this film three out of five stars because of it had amazing visuals and color and camera work. But the story was a bit too fast when when it could have slowed down and a bit too slow when it could have sped up. And overall, I thought the pacing was a bit strange. And I'd also like to know, because Little Women is from a long time ago, and it is a bit more of a complex plot because it is based on a full-time novel, do you think that it applies to children? What age range would you give it and why? Um, there's a lot of mature themes in this movie that that are completely fine because they touch on it, not necessarily go further into it. So I would recommend this for ages 10 to 18, but of course adults will enjoy as well. And I'm pretty sure that's the main demographic. I tend to agree with you on that based off what I know about the film, but thank you so much, Abraham, for talking to us about Little Women. Of course. For our audience, be sure to check it out. It's coming out Christmas Day, December 25th. It seems like a very interesting film. I'm definitely going to check it out myself. But we're going to switch gears now. And we're going to be talking to two new Kids First Film critics to welcome the new year. We're going to be talking with Dominic, who's from New York City, nine years old. And we're going to be talking with Ruby, who's from Miami, and she's 12 years old. Ruby, let's start off with you. First, because we talk about nothing but films here, what's your favorite film, Ruby? Oh, that really is a tough question. (laughs) Um, At the moment, I really love The Greatest Showman. It is older. I believe it came out in 2017. But at the moment, I'd say that's one of the best I've seen. Greatest Showman. I actually haven't seen it. I hear the costumes in that film are amazing. And uh, Dominic, how about you? What's your favorite film? Uh, My favorite film is probably has has to be A Wrinkle in Time because... It has lots of science, and I I learned a lot from it. That's very nice to hear. And, Dominic, can you talk a little bit about why you joined Kids First, and also what you think that you'd like to see it to be a film? Like, what elements would you like to see in a film in the future? Well, why I joined Kids First, um, first of all, I do love movies. 
and I always, to be honest, I always wanted to review them and give my opinion on them. And I, uh, and I was always a critical thinker. And what do you, what would you like most, like, what do you most look forward to when a new film is coming out? Um, I most look forward to when a new movie comes out, um, is the, like, when I learn it. Interesting. And Ruby, for you, how did you join Kids First? Why did you join Kids First? And... When you critique a film, what elements do you generally look at for audiences who are curious about the critiquing process? To um, meet new people and to experience new things and uh, share my opinion with others and hear other people's opinion. And I've always liked talking about films I like. And the elements that I tend to look for in a film are something that's akin to reality but still interesting to watch. Um, because, for example, when you have Disney movies, the, a lot of the Disney princess movies are um, and most happily. And yes, that's better for younger viewers, but as you get older, you're like, oh, it's always perfect. But it's not akin to reality, and I really look for films that are kind of relatable. Well, it seems like you're going to start critiquing films at one of the perfect times in film history because we do have a large batch of films that are following realism, like you said. Like, most recently, I watched Netflix's Marriage Story, and it's so realistic. The ending is not that happy. It's realistic. Mm -hmm. It's blunt. So I'm really glad to hear that, and I think you're going to be enjoying a lot of the future films that we see. And, Dominic, my question for you is... This year specifically, what film are you most looking forward to or what film did you enjoy the most? Um, the film that I'm most looking forward to is probably... Um, I would say... Um, one of the ones that someone mentioned, it was... Um, one of the, um, the new Star Wars movie, R Rise of the Skywalker. And Dominic, have you seen the previous Star Wars movies? Um, yes, I have. And what did you think of them overall, like the entire series? What do you think about Star Wars? Well, I just, I just love the non, um, nonfiction in it. Like, that's very interesting, and it is interesting to see how the the series shapes with time, because of course it's spanning so many years now, multiple generations, and Ruby. In the next yes. year, as you start reviewing films, do, what do you kind of hope to see films improve on? Because, of course, we all watch films. We've a lot, watched a lot of films. What do you hope to see that film creators and or editors or producers or whoever improve on the most? Um, I really do hope to see um, more films that spread awareness about different issues that are going on currently. Um, because even to younger people... Um, they don't really, they aren't exactly super aware of what is actually going on because they just see like these perfect um, stories that happen, um, but they don't really see the reality. And um, I feel like introducing what is actually happening and what the issues are currently at a young age, I think it's a good idea. So I am really hoping to see that in future productions. I absolutely agree with that. I think film is a very strong medium in education and raising awareness. There are so many films in just the last 20 years that led entire movements because of what they showed audiences. So definitely agree with that statement. I think that's very good you mentioned that because of how relevant it is today. And 
Dominic here on the radio show. We like talking about a lot of things that don't have to do with just films, but things about films. So in kind of like future discussions, you personally, what would you like to talk about related to films? It could be anything. It could be the toys that have to do with films. It can be with shows that come from films. Anything to do with films, what do you like talking about? Well, the thing I like about films is they, they take a lot of time, and I'm also an actor, and I've experienced what it's like to be in a film. And there's many um, technology, and there's much technology there, and I just love how complicated it is, and to find out how it, it's, like, worked. That is very interesting because we have so many more technology where actors are becoming digital and they're becoming programs now, which is absolutely crazy to hear. But I definitely agree. I'd love to talk about and kind of learn with the audience how films are made and how they make the new technologies we see in the big blockbusters. But Ruby and Dominic, thank you so much for talking to us about being brand new film critics in the Kids First family. And I can't wait to talk to both of you on future radio show segments and see all your reviews, both written and film. But for our audience, that is all the time we have today. Thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions to watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps. To learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on press for kids kidsworld.com and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. I want to wish everyone watching once again, happy holidays, whatever holiday it may be. We all hope from the Kids First family that you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season and I'm sure a much-deserved break. So, today's show is sponsored by Molock Season 3. I'm your host, Jerry Orr, signing off. Bye. again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.